Dearly beloved, once again, I greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today is a special day. We, the Church of members of South Church of South India, and as part of uh, the Protestant community, we celebrate Reformation Sunday today, commemorating the nailing of 95 theses on the door of the church in 1517. October 31st. Martin Luther was a person who nailed the scroll on the church door. In those days, they used it as a notice board. So there's no um, harm in what he did. But he came up with 95 theses that gave a jolt to the Roman Catholic Church. Now, we have three key passages, one John chapter 2, that talks about the cleansing of the temple by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you who used a little bit of violence to chase the people out, and said, this is the house of prayer, don't use it for any trade. Then we have the second passage, the first lesson, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, where we read, what is the basis for our reformation? That is scripture, the word of God. And the other key passages taken from the book of Revelation chapter 2, where God condemned the church at Ephesus saying, you have abandoned the love that you had first. Then Jesus gave three steps how to overcome that problem and how to renew them and reform them. Once a stylish looking teacher, in order to impress his students, asked them a question. Tell me why people call me good Christian? And there was a silence. The student didn't know what to say. So he again asked the question. Why do they call me good Christian? And one little boy stood up and said, Sir, it may be because they don't know you well. That's why they call you good Christian. Now many a time the Lord wants us to translate what we believe in our action. Action speaks louder than our speech. In, uh, that applies to church also. When the church is called to believe in certain things, it also called to act upon it. That's why we had ref reformation in our church in the 16th century. What I'm trying to share with you briefly, very briefly, on what exactly was reformed in the church in 16th century, and particularly highlighting about the factors that contributed and affected the Reformation movement. First of all, I would like to share with you the definition that we come up in the dictionary and elsewhere. The first one, make or become better by removing or putting right what is bad and wrong. Now, I want you to note the first phrase, make or become, that is, someone can make a change, or the people themselves, the community themselves, can reflect on their own 
community and the life and start doing something to change the, the, the particular community. Now, what are the modalities? One, remove or put right. That is, you take away certain things or you make certain things right. What people considered as bad or wrong or what God considers as bad or wrong. Then you can also talk about a person, a reformed person. He's the one who has given up bad ways and now living a good life. Okay, to put it generally, reformation can be defined as a radical change. Very radical change. I'll go, I'm going to highlight some of the things that has happened at that time. You will see how radical was the change. Radical change for the better in social, political, and religious affairs. Now, if you look at the Bible, we see God inspired many people, asked them to do certain things and not to do certain things so that he could reform human community. First, we have Noah. God called him and God took a very, very drastic measure. He destroyed all the wicked people. At the same time, he selected one particular family so that they would renew the covenant with him and follow his precepts. Then we have Abraham. God again wanted to bring a reformation and he called one person and he reformed him by displacing him from one place to the other. Okay? Then we have Moses who gave them rules and regulation so that the Jewish community may lead a new life. He gave the Ten Commandments and he gave many rules, even dietary rules so that he could form a new nation, that's Israel. Then we see time and again God sending prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, so many prophets, they all came and did two things. One, condemn the sin and comfort the afflicted, two roles. But the first one is always to, with regard to reformation. They condemned the sins of the people. When they led an unjust life, God condemned them. When they oppressed the poor people, God condemned them. When they started leading unholy life, God condemned them. So through the prophets, time and again, God expressed his will that his, whole, his people, his holy people should reform them Continuously, continuously. Then, of course, we have our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who reformed many things in the Jewish religion through his teaching and through his action. Through his action, particularly with regard to the Sabbath, he healed deliberately, deliberately on that day. In those days, the Jewish people didn't want the doctors to do their work. 
on Saturday. But Jesus said, no, my father works, so I also work. I heal people. I want to restore people's life. I want to reform, change people's life. And through his teaching, definitely, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you know how radical was Jesus' teaching. When they said, only when you kill somebody, you are committing murder. But Jesus said, no, when you start hating other people, even when you call somebody fool, you are under the judgment. When they said, adultery is physical. Now Jesus said, no, 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 even in your heart, you should be pure. They said, you can hate your enemy. We know that Israel is still in the Old Testament time. You can hate enemies. But Jesus said, no, love your enemy. So through his teaching, Jesus also brought reformation. <clears throat> and finally, he said, I'm not here to abolish the law, but fulfill the law. That is, complete the law. I want to bring in a new interpretation so that you will completely fulfill God's laws. Of course, we have uh, St. Paul. During his lifetime, he brought in a change in the church. In what way? As I said earlier, initially, the Christian community was Jewish community. All of them were Jews. And they thought Christianity is part of Jewish religion. Another sect. So, they asked the Gentiles to become Jews first and then become Christians. They wanted everybody, all of them who wanted to accept Jesus Christ as a personal savior, they said, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the laws of Moses, even the dietary laws. But St. Paul said, no, God accepts everybody as they are. All that they have to do is accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. That's all. They don't have to change the life habits, food habits, dressing habits, nothing. Just believe. Because we are saved by grace alone. Grace alone. Don't add any other extra condition along with the free gift of salvation that Jesus gives. Now, let me move on to the important part, the Reformation movement. It all started by a key person, Martin Luther. He lived in uh, 16th century, 1483 to 1546. He was a key person, and he was a Roman Catholic priest. Remember that. He didn't come from outside the church. He was a Roman Catholic priest. At this, at, the, at this time, at that time, <clears throat> the whole church was divided into two parts, two divisions. One, the Western Roman Catholic Church that established churches in Italy, in Jerusalem, and other parts of Europe. Another major division was Eastern Orthodox. These churches were established in Turkey, Iran, and Iraq. They were also very strong, but they had a lot of differences. 
the western church said our bishop that is the bishop in rome is the supreme bishop and he should be called pope papa and he is the bishop for everybody more like the archbishop or more than archbishop he is the bishop for everybody and he is the sole representative of jesus christ when he sits on the throne when he speaks whatever he speaks is the word of jesus christ he is the sole representative all the church the universal church should obey him but the eastern church they said no all bishops are equal even we have our own bishops all bishops are equal then they gave child baptism and immediately they served the sacrament to the children too so we have these lot of differences at the time the western church the reformation came in western church that is roman catholic church they did many many things contrary to the teachings of the scripture martin luther noticed all these things of course there were many other people who started talking about that then martin luther was the key person who pioneered the reformation movement what are the things he said first he said okay you can go, go more to the list yeah supremacy of pope he said we have to overthrow it who has the authority the word of god when pope says i am the sole representative we cannot accept it it is the bible that says that is true when pope says i can only forgive sins no it say the scripture says only jesus can forgive sin so they said we don't have to accept the supremacy of the pope and replace the that play his place to the scripture secondly they also hello but there's one more just before that oh, okay okay that's the second point the belief in purgatory was abandoned what is purgatory even now roman catholics believe there is a place called purgatory where dead souls will go and take rest now all the souls even christian souls now based on what they had done on earth they will be placed in different levels now the descendants of those people children and grandchildren if they do something good on this earth in their name take for example giving some big amount to the church or giving land that will be counted as merit and that merit will reach the soul of your ancestors and the soul will move closely to heaven finally it will enter into heaven even now the roman catholics believe in that in tamil they call it uttarikum stalam 
okay but martin luther said no nothing when you die you take rest your rest you will rest in peace a day will come then only you will come alive you will be resurrected there is no nothing called purgatory now they use this uh, theory of purgatory to gain funds to the church for example there is one more thing i'll come to that um worshiping idols and relics what are the relics the church said there are certain holy things when you see it when you worship it you gain this merit you will move slowly to heaven okay and the sad part is in order to see those things you have to pay money what are the relics i'll give you tooth of st peter hair of james st james one drop of milk of mary mother mary all sorts of nonsensical things they kept it and they say if you go and worship it your soul will reach heaven now martin luther said all these are rubbish you don't have to believe in that you are saved only by faith only by grace so trust in jesus christ so then he said you don't have to worship the saints and mary you know that roman catholics venerate mary mother mary we respect her it's not that we ignore her we respect her but at the same time we are not called to worship mary because who died for us it's not mary it's jesus christ who is praying for us now romans 8 chapter 8 verse 34 clearly says it is jesus christ who is interceding for us it's not mother mary i am really very sad and upset when our own csi members go to velangani church if you are doing that stop doing that because you are not glorifying jesus christ you are glorifying mary yes we respect her she was the mother of jesus christ but at the same time you are not called to worship her don't go to those churches now i see some people having this uh, thread even the csi people have that cut it off and throw it off it is only jesus who is our savior who is our mediator then they came up with many slogans faith alone yes only through faith you are saved not by doing things okay not by doing good things but by faith secondly he said scripture alone not pope not the bishop not any other people in this world you are saved only by only you should base your christian life only on the scripture christ alone not joseph not mother mary not jacob only jesus then grace alone not by doing things 
getting merits by worshipping these uh, relics and idols. No. Grace alone. Then finally he said, to God be the glory. To God alone be glory. Don't glorify people. Now when I say this, I don't want to elaborate on that. You know, sometimes even in churches, they glorify people. Even on stages, they glorify people. But Martin Luther said, no, glorify God alone. There was one time, even now, sometimes they do it. In one particular church where I served, they will not shawl or put shawl on bishop inside the church. They will go to the hall or come out of the church and there will be a portico. There they will honor the bishop. To God alone be glory. Then we had, they had seven sacraments. Roman Catholic Church had seven sacraments. I am not going to elaborate on that. We accepted only two. Baptism and Holy Communion. Why? Only with, with regard to these two, Jesus said, do it. Baptize. Make disciples of all nations. He took the cup or the bread. After giving thanks, he said, do this in remembrance of me. So only with regard to these two, we have the command of Jesus Christ. So we continue that. Then they said, Roman Catholic Church claimed sole dispenser of grace. No, they said, only Jesus can give us, bestow grace upon us. Only God can sustain our Christian life through grace. Then of course, the other one, priesthood of all believers. In those days, Pope or bishops or priests or anyone in the priestly order, they had, they claimed more power. In those days, they owned lands also. The sad part is during the time of Martin Luther uh, time, even though the bishops and the fathers were called to be celibate, that is, without marrying, they had connection with other women. And the children born to those women were made bishops. One little boy of seven years old, he was made bishop. Now I'm saying all these things uh, because how Martin Luther made a powerful reformation in the church and why we have to celebrate Reformation Sunday on this day. Then he replaced it with another slogan, priesthood of all believers. That's where we come in, the Methodist church. We insisted on that. It's not that only the priest will do everything. The people, church members, they are not allowed to take part in the worship. People will not be allowed to read the scripture portions. You cannot offer intercessory prayers. No. But Martin Luther changed, the everything, changed everything based on 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We are called royal priests. Royal priest. He said, 
priesthood is given to all believers. You can read the scripture. Even today, a young little girl came and read the gospel portion. That would never happen in Anglican church. No. Only the pastor will read it and it will be done from the altar. But because of Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation, we allow people because we are people's church. Remember that. There are churches that is called priestly church. But we belong to the churches that could be called people's church. Sorry, that's why I'm wearing this coat today. This is a typical Methodist pastor's dress. No, sometimes we uh, always see pastors in cassock, surplice and stole. Many times we forget that what we stand for. To what we have to give important people, people's participation. Then the Bible was translated in local language. What happened till then? They had the Bible in Latin. They read the Bible in Latin, conducted the service in Latin. Who will understand it? In England, Germany, France? No. They simply stood when the choir stood. They sat down and the choir sat down. The choir knew, they were trained. Okay? They knew they were taught Latin and they used to sing in uh, Latin and follow the order in Latin. But people, no, Martin Luther said, Bible has to be translated in our own language because God can speak to everybody. Everybody started reading the scripture. So I was so excited to read the scripture because as they read the scripture, they were able to hear God's voice speaking to them through the scripture. And finally, the last one, but not the least, Martin Luther made the Roman Catholic fathers and brothers to get married. To whom? The nuns and sisters. He said, pastor should be an example to the whole congregation. He should lead a married life, run a good Christian family, and set a model to the whole congregation. Now, let me close with uh, three areas where we can bring in Reformation in modern days. Reformation doesn't stop with the 16th century. It continues. The Church of South India, even now it continues. I'll place before you three areas. One, John chapter 2, where we read Jesus cleansing the temple. Why he did it? We have a clue in Matthew chapter 21 verse 34, where we read Jesus saying, my house is a house of prayer. So the temple should be used for prayer. Particularly Jesus was angry when these Jewish people were uh, having those stalls and other things in the place where the Gentiles are supposed to come and pray. They were not using their own place. Okay? They were using the place meant for prayer for the Gentile people, other people, non-Jewish people. 
that's why jesus got angry and chased them out now this talks about the church's calling to perform its apostolic duty what is this apostolic duty for others we are sent out into this world to do something in this world to the people in this world why does church exist it exists for its non member other famous bishops always said church church is the only club that exists for its non member so we do many projects social projects because god has sent us into this world to change people's life another area that i would like to point out is that self reflection go and read matthew chapter 23 and luke 11 probably some other time i will explain that there you will see how a christian is god or is called to lead a good christian life by reflecting on their own personal life don't be a christian in outlook inside is more important don't pretend don't be an hypocrite be a true christian in your personal life too the third area that i would like to share with you is that church has to continually reform in itself because we move on time changes culture changes we cannot just stop with singing hymns just just an example okay we can sing modern songs don't just say oh this is what we used to do we will stick to that when god calls you to do something new do it because it is the holy spirit that motivates us moves us into new areas i'm really happy when i came here we have one service this is a english congregation but we started one tamil service why because of the people who are just dwelling on the other side of the road we are on this side and they are on the other side for their sake we have started a tamil service it's wonderful really we have to balance we have to go with the time change our congregation change our lifestyle change our worship style so that even the young people will feel at home in our worship let's pray loving god we thank you for this blessed day oh lord as we celebrate the reformation sunday today lord we thank you for bringing reformation in the church through martin luther john calvin and zwingli and so many people oh lord we thank you for wickliff who translated the bible lord we thank you for zigen balk who came here and translated the scripture in tamil lord we thank you for sending your missionaries to reform our church time and again even as we moved into the 21st century lord help us to be a church of this time realizing the needs of the society realizing our role prophetic roles and apostolic roles 
so that our church could be an effective instruments in your loving hands in India and in Chennai particularly with regard to our church. Lord, we commit this into your loving hands. Continue to be with us. Let the Holy Spirit continue to reform our church so that we could find newer ways to glorify your holy name through new ministries. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.